everybody. Welcome into another edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs and exclusive home of Cubs Checking. Open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. I'm Tony Andraki, joined by Lance Brazdowski, and we have a special guest this week. Mick Gillespie joins the show. He's the play-by-play broadcaster of the Tennessee Smokies, the Cubs AA affiliate. He's been doing it since the Cubs became an affiliate with Tennessee, and we just saw him on Marquee Sports Network last week alongside Jody Davis on the call for the Smokies game. Mick, first off, welcome in. How's everything going with you? You know, it's been good. It's been a fun season. Uh, obviously, we've had, you know, a lot of different challenges dealing with COVID. The season started late, and the Smokies are really young, so they've been overmatched in some of the games by the more veteran teams, but they've been a fun group to watch, and they play really hard, and I think that makes a difference, um, and I think there's a lot of future Cubs and Major League players on these teams that we've had, and I say teams because you're talking about over – 100 transactions to the roster since the start of the season so but uh, yeah all in all it's been a fun year what was that first experience on marquee like last week uh with jody davis on the call sitting right next to you yeah yeah you know i'm friends with jody from back when he was the cubs catching coordinator you know we just hit it off right away and uh we uh keep in touch when baseball's out we talk a lot of football Jody's a huge football fan and a really interesting guy. So when we were putting things together and we, you know, Jody was going to be involved, I was pretty excited. He brings so much experience, not only as a Cubs player, but a coach managed, uh, you know, a Cubs minor league team to a championship. And then he managed in this league just three years ago with uh, Pensacola. So it was fun, you know, and, and there's I've been a Cubs fan forever, too. And so I remember Jody as a player. I remember Harry talking about Jody. And I think a lot of us do. I remember the chants at Wrigley, Jody, Jody, you know, people were were texting and it made me laugh. And there were some things that I learned about him that I that I didn't know, you know, the inside story behind the famous men in blue recording. Right. That was cool. So it was it was an awesome experience. Mick, can you take us behind how maybe complex it was last year for you to have no minor league season. <laughs> yeah, it was, that was, that stunk. I mean, you know, first off, this is part of the way I pay the bills, you know, so I not, not working was, uh, you know, kind of a scary thing. You know, just sitting there and, and, and you're like, what am I going to do? You know, cause April came, I was working with you guys when the, the, the uh, everything shut down. I had, Made my, my marquee debut in, uh, in in Las Vegas. Cubs were playing the Reds, and I got on there with Len and, um, and Cole and had a lot of fun. And then I came back, and I was going to broadcast the spring training game Cubs and Sox on the score that Friday. And then play-by-play with J.D. on Saturday against the Indians on marquee. And then, uh, and then I had a season ticket holder event at Sloan Park scheduled for Sunday. I was going to fly out, come back at the end of the year. It was great. Uh, so excited. And I'd worked a lot of years in the minor leagues to get that, that opportunity, you know, and then, uh, you know, next thing I know, my flights change and I'm trying to find toilet paper. I mean, <laughs> really, like within a, within a day, my, my life is just, had just changed. So about, I don't know, about two months in, uh, you know, and you battle depression and I'm not, a, I'm a pretty happy 
Abbott, you know, just the uncertainty of, of life, you know, how are you going to pay your bills? You know, what's going to happen with your family and all that stuff. And so we, we went, we ended up packing up our apartment and we moved to Fairhope, Alabama, which is where we live now. And that's where, uh, where Winston Groom wrote Forrest Gump, the book that turned into the movie and a, and a bunch of other authors were there. It's right on the water. It's a, it's a really awesome place. And so I decided to write a book that, about my life. So I started from, you know, being, and a lot of it had to do with being a Cubs fan and wanting to be Harry Carey and then just getting the opportunity to sit in the seat that I got to, uh, uh, like with Jody and, and be on television, but doing the Cubs spring training and, you know, and hopefully the regular season one day too, or any team really. But, uh, and that, that was the whole story, like how you start over here. I'm, I'm a, uh, I'm a kid. And I used to watch the Cubs with Jody and they used to wear these blue starter jackets. If you remember, they had the big Cubs patch on the, on the chest. And so I, I, we didn't have a lot of money. I had to go out and, and work for it. And uh, I, I cut, I think like 11, 12 yards, but I know it was $107, maybe like 57 cents or something. <laughs> and I bought this. Yeah. I, well, it was a lot of money for me back then. So I bought this jacket. And I had it and I don't, it, I lived in Heightstown, New Jersey, right outside of Trenton. And it was so cold, you know, like you'd watch the Cubs on WGN. That's how I became a fan. And no matter how cold it was or how hot it was, I wore this jacket. I mean, like I, this was my, my identity was this Cubs jacket. Uh, and I loved it so much. If you go into the press box at Wrigley and you guys know what I'm talking about, there's a picture of Ronald Reagan, a former Cubs broadcaster and president throwing the first pitch in that jacket. So every time I walk by and I see that, uh, I remembered it. And so uh, long story short, my wife wore the jacket to the games in Vegas. I was like, if you come, you got to wear it. It's cool again, which is crazy about fashion, right? I mean, this thing's vintage. And she's like, you know, and it's still in pretty decent shape. And she's like, well, I'm gonna, I guess I'll wear this. You want me to wear this? And she got so many compliments. She was like, this thing must be a cool jacket because people keep stopping me. So, you know, and, and all the things that happened in between. So that's what I decided to do just to have something going on when there was no baseball. And then I started doing with one of my friends a, uh, a beer review show, which was a lot of fun, too. You know, like we would uh, jog every day. It was a, it was an after run beer review show. So every day I would run and then we'd get back and drink one beer and we would tell you why you wanted to buy this one or you didn't want to buy it. And, all, and everyone was kind of, there were so many people at home, like <laughs> some of those, those, those beer cats on Facebook and YouTube and stuff, they have like, one of them had 10,000 views, you know, it's just getting shared and stuff. Some of them had none, you know, so I, <laughs> I don't know how popular it was, but it was fun to do it. It'd be, it'd be more entertaining if you did the beer review during the run, I think. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it'd be hard <laughs> to do it though. It's hard enough for me to run anyway. <laughs> Mick, you were talking to, um, one of my favorite things with the Jody Davis broadcast was hearing about Ryan Sandberg pulling pranks and, you know, lighting cigarettes and people's shoes on fire or whatever else. And right before this podcast, you and I were talking about pranks that you used to even pull on Rhino and some of the things he pulled back on you. This was back when he was coaching, right? Can you yeah. give us a little rundown of, of that and, and your interactions with uh, Sandberg? <laughs> well, first off, I, I can still clearly remember the day I met Rhino um, when, you know, and I walk into the manager's office and he was, I mean, that was one of my Cubs teams, you know, Rhino, Dunstan, Jody Davis, 
uh, the Hawk, Andre Dawson, you know, like all of those guys, Greg Maddox. I remember when he came up. And so I walk in and then there's Rhino, right? And, and he's not the, uh, the laid back Rhino that you see now. This was like, I'm in game mode, focused, got a mission Rhino, you know, and like, and, and it takes a while to get to know him. And so I walk in and, you know, it was kind of a short conversation. He had other things going on. I'm like, oh my gosh, I just, I just met Rhino, you know? So <laughs> then I'm like, I got, I got to treat him like everybody else. You know, but that first time when I walked in and he turns around, I'm like, oh my gosh, man, there he is. Uh, you, you know, you have to pinch yourself. But at the time, you know, I'm, it took me a good month and a half to kind of break the walls down. And what I did was I read his book because I needed to know how he ticks so that we could kind of get past the, you know, him worried about me as the team broadcaster. Like I might, you know, uh, you know, not be on the same page as him and the rest of the team. Right. And, and um, you know, when you're the team broadcaster at this level, you know, you're, you're, you're a big part of the team. You want to see the guys win. I mean uh, you want to call the game objectively, but you know, they're still your guys, you know? And so I read Rhino's book and then uh, kind of got to know, how you know about his life and his career and that gave me a lot of perspective and then you know over the course of time I I consider Rhino a good friend and I always admired and I didn't realize this until he left and I'm setting up for these stories Tony so <laughs> I'm getting back to this but um I didn't realize how instrumental he was to the success of the organization until he left I mean uh, we were in a streak pretty much like we are now with the Smokies we didn't win a lot and it was years of not winning. And then, you know, here's Rhino, he shows up and he's going to win. I mean, like he, he had these list of rules he would have in the clubhouse. They were all hustle rules and he would pay you out of his pocket. I wasn't allowed to talk about it on the air at the time. And I remember one was if you were a reliever and you came in and the bases were loaded with no outs and you got out of it without allowing a run, it was a hundred bucks. He'd just give you a hundred bucks. And, and the, the principle of it, the, the, one of the other ones, and I think it was 50, maybe, where if you popped up, but you got the second base before the ball was caught, you'd get 50 bucks. Just, it was about hustle. It was about team teamwork and, um, and playing the game the right way. I mean, he was old school in that capacity. And we won. We went from last place in the first half. You, you split the season in half, or you used to in the minor leagues. And uh, we won the second half, and we made it into the championship series. It was really incredible. Um, you know, and, and one of my favorite highlights – was uh, when we had our clubhouse celebration, I uh, interviewed Rhino, and I still have the video of it. Um, and he poured a beer on my head afterwards, part of, you know, all the stuff going on. I'm like, Rhino just poured a beer on my head. I walked out and said this, and he wasn't mad, you know, so that was cool. But the practical jokes, uh, we, we would get each other all the time. Rhino would figure out, like, the things that got under your skin, and he – you. <laughs> And he would just get you. But at first, you don't realize he's kind of messing with you, you know. So, like, one of my jobs was to take care of the bus. And so I had to make sure that the bus was on time, that the bus driver, that the bus was clean, you know, like, outside of broadcasting at this point. This is, you know, one of my, my – I don't do that anymore, but I did when he was here. And that the internet worked on the bus and that the TVs worked on the bus, you know, all this stuff. And if it didn't, I was – you know, I, I just want things to go a certain way. <laughs> and that this, we had this bus driver that was just kind of aloof and I had to stay on this guy all the time. And Rhino would just get, he, he just knew how to get to me with it. You know, um, you know, he, 
he, he would practically figure out how you tick and just constantly you would have to watch that he wasn't pulling a trick on, you know? So I noticed that Rhino, and I, I can't remember what, what set this up because there were so many different tricks that we played on each other. And eventually we, we joined forces to mess with other people with <laughs> too. But I knew that he, if he saw pennies and they were heads up, he was superstitious. He'd have to pick them up. So if he got, he had got me a couple of times pretty good. And I can't remember what it was, but I, I would figure out where he was going to be. And I would put a trail of pennies so that he would have to pick them all up, heads up, you know, down the line. <laughs> I would sit back and walk, I'd see him walk by and he'd look down. And he, I knew he didn't want to pick them up, but he had to pick them up. You know, it was just part of like the way that we are in baseball. Oh yeah, it was uh, it was awesome. I'm still reeling from that story. <laughs> That's amazing. I don't even know if he knows it. That's the funny thing. Like, so you guys, when you have him on your podcast, you gotta you gotta ask him see if he remembers. But yeah, I can't remember if I if I ever identified it because part of the pra the practical joke too is you when you get away with one, you don't admit that you're the one that did it. Which he's the master of that too. Like he's he he's he's so cerebral, you know. Like he just sits back and kind of like gets you and you know, sometimes you walk away and it's like, oh man. And, and you look back and you're like, yeah, he just got me, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> awesome guy though. I, I love seeing him. And when I see him now and, and he's on the game broadcasts or if I run into him, uh, you know, at Cubs convention or Chicago or wherever, he's just so like, just ch so chilled out now, you know, like he's been to the big leagues as a manager, he did all that, you know, now he's kind of uh, concentrating on, on being a grandfather uh, family guy and he comes on with you guys and and uh, on marquee and, and kills it out there but he he's a treasure man like he is such a winner in so many different ways i'm, I'm glad we're gonna have a little bit of a crossover and then and if we hopefully get him on our next podcast but i, I hate to take us off the stories but uh maybe we can have a little section at the end for him but mick tell us a little bit about how the season has gone down in tennessee from a performance standpoint a little bit of an odd start with everything being pushed because of the COVID pandemic, a little bit odd schedule-wise in terms of seeing six-game series with teams. Um, what's your reaction to it? You know, what's different and how's the play been? Yeah, well, I mean, we're just kind of getting through, you know, and, and uh, teams are dealing with COVID. Everyone's dealing with COVID. People are getting it. Uh, if you're vaccinated, we found out from, you know, the experiences here that it's not going to be as bad as if you aren't. You know, and that's just the bottom line because everybody down here is getting it. You know, and the people that are vaccinated, I'm glad I am. Uh, it, it 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 doesn't. It's not as dangerous for you know. So thank God for that. But uh, it's been tough because in a second everything can change. You know, there's there's teams in the league, the Smokies, everyone kind of dealing with it right now. But we've gotten to this point. Uh, I can tell you from an on-field uh, perspective, the biggest story is obviously Brendan Davis. Um, you know, he has struggled at times here, but he's consistently the best young prospect position player or one of them in the league. I mean, hands down, he's hit, he hits for power. He's a great, he, he's a good all around player and he's got the potential to be a great all around player. And I think it starts with his ability to think the game through. He's a smart guy, he plays smart baseball. You know, he's in the right position, throws to the right base. Um, you know, he, he has quality at bats. It just, you, you, those are the kind of guys you can put in the major leagues and, and they stay there for a long time. He's still got some work to do. I mean, he's got to make a little bit more contact sometimes in spots. He's still learning how to play right field. 
maybe, you know, first steps on fly balls could be a little bit better. You know, he's, he's basically taking this game, which could potentially be an all-star type of game in the major league level and rounding it out. And when I, you know, people in Chicago, are like, Hey, let's get him up here. No, let's not get him up there. Let's get, let's get him developed so that when he gets up there, he's not just a good player. He's a great player because he has that kind of potential. And then people see that too. I, I was reading, what was it? Um, a baseball pipeline or whatever it is, the, the ranking service, they moved him from 47th best prospect all over in baseball to 14th. So mm-hmm. you started to get into that area where Javi Baez and Chris Bryant and Kyle Schwarber were, which I saw all of those guys too. He, he's got a different kind of game uh, than compared to those guys. They, I mean, they get, came down here and it was just like, they just ripped this league up, but he's more consistent. Like he's a very consistently good player. And, and he excels, he excels just differently than those guys, but he definitely excels. So he's been a, he's been a big story and it's been fun watching him. Uh, and when he's gotten hot, you know, he, he just makes really loud, solid contact. The, the second story to me on, on a positive side is the bullpen guys. You know, I mean, like you're going to see so many of these guys get to the big leagues. It's the best bullpen I've ever, we've ever had since I've been here. I've been here since the Cubs have been the affiliate Tennessee and, uh, you know, let's take a look at Ben Leaper's stats, you yeah. know, uh, and um, what is it, Eduardo Rodriguez, right? Did I get that right? Yeah, he, he was here at the beginning of the season. I mean, he's in the big leagues now. And there's going to be a lot more of those guys. Manny Rodriguez, right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah there you him. go. Sinker ball. It's, yeah. It, yeah, it's been a while since, since we saw him. But um, they, there was a time where I'm looking at this bullpen and I'm like, man, I mean, like, you if if the Smokies had better starting pitching at the time then they would have I think they would have been really really hard to beat the problem was when the team had this great bullpen the starters were awful and the funny thing is that those guys have kind of developed and so they've gotten a lot more consistent and then the bullpen has seen guys go up to triple a and and you know even to the big leagues and um and and, and now the starting's good and the bullpen's kind of you know, not as good anymore or developing, but the, the, the Cubs have a lot of relievers coming very solid strike throwers with good stuff. And so, you know, that, that's been the second story to me. Um, the other thing overall is just how young this team is at the beginning of the year. We knew because there wasn't a season in 2020 organizations were going to have to make a decision, you know, what happens to the guys who would have been here, but didn't have that 2020 season for a lot of them here would be, you know, high A, the, the high A experience. Um, and what happens to the guys that were supposed to be here last year? And, you know, what do you do? And so some organizations went, you know, Hey, look, we're going to have a veteran team. We're just going to put everybody back to where they were and just, you know, they're just a year older or whatever, sometimes two years older. And, and the Cubs were, were, you know, more aggressive and they, they sent a lot of the young players here that, you know, like a Chase Strumpf and uh, Brennan Davis that w- didn't get that high A experience. Um, and they challenged him here in double A, Christopher Morell is another one. And so, you know, the, the win-loss record reflects that. I mean, if, you know, overall, I mean, just up and down the roster, but I think it was the right move to make. Because as the season's gone on, those guys are getting better and better. Um, and so if you're trying to develop players to get to the major leagues, you know, like Chase Strumpf, 
he was just scuffling. I mean, batting under 200. And, and then all of a sudden over the last like month, he's just, you know, killing it, you know? So that's a great example of why you make that decision. And he's been excellent defensively every single day. You know, even when his, uh, his bat was just not that good. I mean, really bad, honestly, when you're batting under 200. Uh, but I think that shows his character too, that when you're not, you're not hitting, he doesn't take it into the field. He's still, uh, you know, a, a, let's say a gold glover, but I mean, in this league, he's about as good defensively as you're going to get. So, uh, so I think that really shows kind of who he is. And then, you know, as the bats come around now, you, know, you add that hitting in there and the power and everything else. And, you know, maybe he's a guy that gets to the big league sometime soon. And, and uh, that's, that's what you hope for, but uh, but the season's been great. I got to give a compliment to the manager, Mark Johnson, because he's because he's had to deal with a lot of that stuff, uh, the COVID and the, a lot of injuries this year. And every team's dealt with that. And, and maybe that's part of the season every year. But we've we've had a lot of those. Uh, Miguel Amaya was here at the beginning of the year. and He's gone. And, uh, Nelson Maldonado has gone. He, he's second in the league in batting. Pretty good player. He can hit. Man, he'll hit anywhere. But they, you know, the, to, to have those guys – with a record that's been consistently under, you know, 10 games under 500, go out and play hard every day. And that's been their identity. At the beginning of the year, they just kept losing all the time. And I was described them as like an Irish boxer, like you get knocked down and then get back up. And you're like, stay down. And they're like, why not stand down? And they go out swinging, you know, last night's game, they got clobbered. You know, they're very thin with the roster right now. And in the ninth inning, you know, you got to, you know, one of the pitch, one of the position players pitched the bottom of the eighth here in Chattanooga, and then they come out slugging and scored three runs in the ninth. You know, and I just think that 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 part of the development is important because when the Cubs won the World Series, you know, one of the things that made that team so great is that they never gave up. Mick, you, you touched on uh, some of the relief prospects down there. And like you said, we see Manny Rodriguez in the big leagues now. But you mentioned Ben Leeper, and I know Ethan Roberts has been there. Brendan Little, also from the left side. Those guys have been promoted to AAA. But for Cubs fans who might not really be familiar with them, can you give us a little rundown uh, of just what you saw from from guys like Leeper, Roberts, or Little, and how they performed in AA? And like you said, I mean, these guys had some pretty – eye-popping numbers on the page and stuff, but just what it looked like in person and what Cubs fans should maybe expect from some of these relievers coming through the system. Yeah, yeah. It was – I'll tell you what. Uh, there's another guy, Kane Eckert, who was the closer. I think he's on the IL now. But, uh, and, and, you know, he was the closer, and they had all those other guys around, you know. Lieber shows up, and I think he's on his second Tommy John surgery, and he was like a non-drafted free agent because they only had five rounds of the draft last year. And he, and he debuts in double A and it was just like, okay, all right. Like <laughs> this guy's, this is, this guy's, he's great, you know? And then he goes to triple A and, and he's not giving up hits, you know? <laughs> like not just is he not giving up runs, but he's not giving up hits. Um, a lot of hard throwers, uh, bigger, bigger guys. And, um, and the biggest thing for them has just been the consistency of throwing strikes, first pitch strikes, staying ahead. But, but, you know, just great stuff. You know, the Cubs, the Cubs need – if they could get a stable of starters in the minor leagues like they have relievers right now, um, then they'd be in great shape, you know. And I, and I, I love the, the, uh, the trade 
that got him Caleb Killian. He's a really good pitcher and, and the, the kind of pitcher that they need. Uh, you know, if you're going to develop starters, I mean, I'm kind of switching gear right now, but if, if you've got to have guys that can go out there and be consistently good and, and throw strikes. He reminds me of, of Kyle Hendricks because of the strike, you know, walk to strike ratio. Uh, but the Cubs don't have, they haven't really put a lot of those guys out there, you know, so they got out, went out and made a trade to get, to get him. But the, yeah, the bullpen guys uh, just, you can tell they love movement and they, and they love guys who throw hard and, um, there was a good combination of that. And then, I mean, it was to the point where you would get to about the fifth inning and when the bullpen would come in, they didn't give up any runs. So I'm, I'm excited to see what it looks like when all of those guys are, mo- you know, mo- I think most of them will get to the big leagues. I don't know if it'll, they'll all be with the Cubs, but it's going to be fun to see going back to that team. I think I, I, I don't send a put a lot of tweets out, but I did, for that, I, I there were ten games under five hundred, and I'm like, I'm, I'm counting like ten big leaguers on this team right now. Wow! And a lot of them were in the bullpen, and it, and it, I might be underselling it too. I like that. I'm gonna let Tony circle back to the pitching side, but I think I'm a little bit interested, Mick, from your perspective as a broadcaster, getting to know these guys. Um, I imagine that's been complicated a little bit this year. So I'm wondering, I guess maybe if you talk to scouts or other people in an organization, what your impressions are on the personality side and the person side of Christopher Morrell, who seems to always be smiling, um, as Scott, our, one of our producers, and I uh, very much realize, really good kid. And, and Brian Davis as well, just extremely intelligent and cerebral in terms of talking about the game. So from that perspective, of like the personality, the interaction, have you gotten a lot of that? And what is your impression of some of the hitters on the team? Well, I, that's been tough this year because of COVID. I mean, we weren't really even allowed to have contact with the guys. So we started doing like video interviews. And, you know, so I talked to a few guys doing that. Uh, Cam Sanders, one of the starters, I, I think he'll eventually get to the big leagues. Really fun guy. Uh, you know, great sense of humor. His dad, Scott, was a Cub back in 1990 with Sammy Sosa and those teams. But I love watching the the joy that he plays with, you know, like it's just a different era of baseball than when I got here, you know, like he strikes someone out and has like a little shimmy he does. And it always makes me laugh. And he's got this curly hair coming out of his hat. <laughs> you talk about Morrell and I haven't gotten, you know, around Morrell a lot, um, but watching him play every day, you know, he never has a bad day at the park. Uh, sometimes, you know, it might benefit him to be maybe find a little bit of an edge. I mean, he'll slide in the second base and he's always got to hug somebody or pat him on the back, you know, <laughs> hit a home run. He's high five in the first base coach, you know, like that's, <laughs> that's, it, you know, he plays the game like a little leaguer and with that type of enthusiasm, which is, which is fun. You know, um, as far as his game goes, I don't know. I put my scout hat on. I'm pretty good at that. I would say he's a cross between Junior Lake, who is this just amazingly talented prospect. Uh, but, you know, the um, you know, the mental part of the game was a challenge for Lake at times, you know, and, and eventually it, it ended up, I think it ended up costing him what could have been a, a career because the talent was off the charts. You know, he was a five-tool, could have been a five-tool guy, you know, just uh, but but a lot of just mental mistakes that you got to get figured out. And, and part of that, too, is Morel's so young. You know, he's what do you got him on here? Twenty two years old now. So he, he's he's still got years to go to to get better. But then the other guy I describe him as is like Alfonso Soriano, you know, former Cub. Like because when when Morel like there's just these times where he just clicks 
And he just takes over a series. And, and uh, Alfonso Soriano did the same thing, you know, like he would go through streaks where he would just carry the Cubs, uh, you know, three, four, five, six games. And Morrell's that way. When Morrell hits, this team wins. Um, and, and he's got, you know, the 200 batting average, but he's, uh, you know, top 10 in home runs. Uh, maybe even after yesterday he hit once, maybe even top eight in home runs. And he's second and runs batted in. He may be leading the league right now. I don't see what everyone else did. But so it's like this, like it's really talented and then, you know, has – a long way to go before he's going to be able to play in the big leagues. And the problem, this is the problem. You, you go to the big leagues and, and you have mental mistakes. You, you, you get back picked off at first with a guy at second and a close game, or you misplay a ball in the outfield, or you, you know, you run the bases the wrong way. Uh, it's a lot less forgiving than it is here. We just run in the dugout, put your hat on and go out. You know, fans know how the game's played. Cubs fans are the best. We all know that. And they know, the game. And so that's part of the development that it's going to take for him to get to the big leagues, but he could, he could be anywhere between Alfonso Soriano and Junior Blake, in my opinion, but I, I hope it's, I hope it's Soriano. He, he, he gets it figured out. The guy could be one of the biggest stars in baseball, just like uh, Alfonso Soriano. But, uh, and then Brennan Davis, talk to Brennan Davis, had him on the broadcast. Uh, love the guy. I mean, just on a personal level, like, Cubs did a great job with that pick, not just because he's a, an awesome talent, but he's just the kind of, he's like Chris Bryant. So I thought it was like Chris Bryant was the same way, you know, I'd get around KB and I'm like, this is the guy that you want to have the giant billboard of all over town. Yeah. It's not going to embarrass the organization. He's always going to make the right decision. He's, um, you know, not, not just the, 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 the play and the, the timely hits and all the, you know, magical on-field moments but good looking guy you know like just just has it all right yeah and I think Brennan Davis is is definitely that guy and he's humble too he's a really humble guy so um good good star to kind of build your future organization around you talked about some of the starting pitchers you alluded to Caleb Killian who's acquired from the San Francisco Giants and the Chris Bryant trade along with Alexander Canario um Brian Jensen too 2019 first round pick from Fresno State also recently got called up to Tennessee after rolling through South Bend class high A now uh, reaffiliated from class A. So talk a little bit about just the pitching side, the aspect of those two guys. You mentioned Cam Sanders as well. Um, I guess I'm interested, I guess, almost relative to how much baseball you've seen at the double A level. Like, how do you line up these guys relative to the other pitchers you've seen? Are there any comps that jump out? Yeah. And what is your kind of impressions of them? Saw Jensen one time and I, I totally get that that draft pick too. He's got, I think he's got some work. Uh, I mean, it's only one start, but it just looks like he's got to be a little bit better with his command, but a, a really funny guy. I mean, Tony and I met him um, at uh, Smoky stadium last week. <laughs> Good dude. But big hands, you know, watching him pitch. It's like, he's, he's got to get better with his command and control just because his stuff moves so much. It's like, it's hard and it's hard to pick up and it moves all over the place. And he's got like, to, to be successful, you have to throw strikes and, and you have to stay ahead and you have to control all your pitches and that kind of stuff. And, and, and who knows how, I mean, one start, but I'm watching and I'm going, if this guy figures it out, this is, this is, you know, top of the, top of the rotation. 
I mean, because when you can throw that hard, <laughs> hide the ball like he does, and get that type of movement, those are the guys that go on to have really successful careers. And his delivery to me looks like one where he's not going to have a bunch of injuries too. I always looked at Jake Arietta and I, I love Jake. And I'm like, how is he doing this? You know, that cross body delivery, like, and he came down here, he came through here on his way to becoming the Cy Young award winner and no one could hit him. I mean, he had a, there was a Cubs pitcher named Randy Wells who threw a changeup that I just marveled at. And Arietta threw that with 96 and a, and a, and a, you know, snap on top of it. So, <laughs> all right. I don't know this, this, this delivery that he's got, I don't know how long this is going to last, but it doesn't, it looks like he's going to get hurt, you know, and, and, and he really hasn't that much, I don't think. Um, but the Jensen delivery is like, okay, it's just a matter of like consistency. If he gets consistent, he, he's, he's got all the tools. Um, so, you know, throw him in there. Killian, I said before, he reminds me of Kyle Hendricks. He throws a little harder than Kyle, uh, but he throws strikes. I mean, the strike, we got Kyle Hendricks in that trade and, you know, they're trying to figure out, okay, if this guy throws like 88, you know, 89, 90, get up to 91, is he just going to play in the big leagues? And then about three starts in, I'm like, this guy's going to get outs everywhere. And you, and you can ask him if you have him on the podcast. I saw him at um, uh, at Starbucks one day, and I'm like, you know, you're going to be in the big leagues soon. He's there looking at me like I'm crazy. No, man, I mean, like, that, that, that's what you're doing right now. The late movement he would have on pitches, the way that he could jam right-handers, uh, and his intelligence, uh, the way that Kyle uh, reads scouting reports. Everybody knows it now, but no one knew it back then, you know, and, and I'm watching him. I'm attacking guys at 88. It's like old school, you know. Like, I'm just going to get out, pitch to contact. If I need to strike you out, I will. And and I look at Killian the same way. Like, the, the, the strikeout-to-walk ratio for – uh, for Hendricks was like, you know, hundred strikeouts to like 10 walks, you know, or something crazy. And, and then Killian's the same way. And so he's still getting his feet under him here, getting used to the league, but the consistency that he has in that capacity, I think is going to pay off for him in the, in the long run. So that was a good pickup. And, and those are the kind of pitchers that the Cubs need. Uh, we got uh, Javier Assad's one of the starters potential to get to the big leagues airs look really good at times. I always look for guys that can roll off consecutive outs, you know, like are you the guy that gets the first two outs and then you walk the third guy and then you give up like a, you know, base hit and then you get out of the inning and, you know, or are you the guy that gets the two outs and then you just buckle down and get the third guy. You're aggressive. You know, no one's on base, you know, you're busting them in like, and then those guys are like, okay, we just sat down nine in a row, 10 in a row. I, I don't know like the, the mathematics behind it. You know, I'm sure there's some kind of data chart that, you know, that the stats people will tell you like, well, what you're saying is what I'm saying is with my eyes seeing, you know, thousands of games, those are the guys that get to the big leagues and do well, the guys that just get continuous outs. And so, you know, I've seen Assad do that a little bit this year. Uh, you know, Jensen's been been good. Cam Sanders has kind of had streaks like that. Uh, there's really not been uh, any standout super starter, though. You know, like when you look at that bullpen and you're like, okay, yeah, this guy, you could put him in there, right? You could go get the five or six of those guys 
and, and someone in the, in the Cubs player development, it probably knows I'm exactly right. You could have put him in the big leagues this year. You could have just been like, Hey, you know, Ben Leaper could be in Chicago right now. I don't think they miss a beat, you know, uh, Kane Eckert, you know, same way. I don't know if they might pitch the seventh or the sixth or something, but they're going to come in there and get outs because they throw strikes and they have good stuff. Um, they, the, the Cubs got to get to the point where they have a bullpen. I mean, a starting rotation that's like that too. And and that's hard to find because look, the, the hardest thing to get in baseball is starting pitching. Yeah. And Mick, you mentioned um, like Kyle Hendricks was just so under the radar as he was coming up through the Cubs system. And you touched on a couple of guys like Cam Sanders and Assad who are definitely under the radar, I think for Cubs fans in general, but what are, who are some of the other guys you think that are maybe flying under the radar that you've seen in Tennessee this year that fans should be aware of um, that might, you know, come to Chicago or the big league someday, just based off of, of what you've seen from them. We had a guy, Darius Hill, and unfortunately he's on the IL right now. Uh, this guy, I mean, you talk about coming out of nowhere. He might be the most valuable player on the team. And, I, and, I, and he's been out for, I want to say, like a, at least a month now. But um, just a, you know, really good outfielder, a smart player. Uh, just, you know, I see him. He's a left-hander. I see him turn around a, you know, 100-mile-per-hour pitch from Nick Lodolo. <laughs> and, 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 and if, unfortunately for the Cubs, they're going to have to contend with Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo Reds have the Reds have just two superstar pitchers coming up but you get an idea of how a guy plays when you're facing that right and uh you know Hill's all-around game really fun to watch he's 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 got a chance I think he he's a tough guy and I think he you know, kind of struggled a little bit before he went on the IL trying to play hurt but I, I like him a lot there's another guy Nelson Maldonado uh kind of reminded me of Davey Johnson uh you know I mean, excuse me, Davey Martinez, uh, former Cub, because he can just hit and there's no position for him. You know, like, like he was, Davey was one of my favorite Cubs. I remember looking at his baseball card. He always had like a 300 average. And, and then like, this is trying to find that spot in the field for him, you know, where he'd be an everyday player, but there's not a better hitter. Um, you know, and, and Maldonado to me is that guy. Like, I, I, he, he's, he's got to find that, that place where he can play it without the DH um, every single day. But, I mean, he just hits. You know, every day you come to the park, and it doesn't matter who's throwing, what side, where, you know, you put him in the lineup, and it's just – he's a hitting machine. He played at Florida. You know, he was on some of those great Gator teams there. Uh, so, he, he, you know, he was drafted by the Cubs. He'd already been in Omaha under those pressure-packed games and, and, and succeeded there. So, I think he's a, he's a guy that could be – someone that comes out of nowhere. I, I like the, the makeup of the organization because there are a, a lot of players on this team that I look at and say, you know, if, if you do this or you figure this out, you could contribute, um, you know, like a Cam Sanders, like you know, going back to someone that I look at and go, you know, it's not that far away. It's not there yet, but it's not that far away. But it comes down to how is someone going to make the adjustment and then how hard are, the, are those guys working when the game's not going on to get better? You know, how much video are, are, are they watching? You know, or what are they doing to get better at their secondary pitches? You know, like, um, you know, for Morrell, you know, it's like he could be a absolute bonafide superstar. You know, how hard is it going to be for him to, uh, 
you know, to, 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 to play a smarter game of baseball, you know, to learn kind of the, the game within the game, like, you know, like Brennan Davis plays like a, a master uh, chess player, you know, like he just, you just watch the way that he approaches everything. And it's like Chris Bryant was that way. And, he, and I think part of it is that we're, you know, kind of where you grow up too. Uh, I, I watch Brennan Davis and I'm betting like I could see him playing on travel teams and, you know, when he's not playing basketball, like, you know, being on the baseball field and just kind of figuring out, you know, as a young guy, like how, how to do certain things and where to throw the ball and, you know, the, you know, when, when to steal, when one not to steal, you know, like, uh, there's so many intricacies. I remember talking to Bobby Dernier one time and he was telling me about, you know, Pete Rose and, uh, you know, being on, on base and, 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 you know, setting up Pete for an event, right. When he was in Philly, he's like, okay, like I'm at first and Pete's batting left-handed, you know, what am I doing to help him? Now I want to steal. I'm a base stealer, but am I stealing on the first pitch or am I stealing with two strikes? Am I taking the hole away from him at first? Those are the things when you get around the, the really excellent baseball players that you, you're like, man, I thought I knew this game, but I don't, you know, it, it's for us, you know, our job is just to talk about it, but for the players, it's, it's like, who are the guys that can go figure all of those things out? And, uh, you know, you tell you the best that I've ever seen is Mike Trout when it comes to just, doing every single little thing right. Uh, when I was doing the Cubs.com uh, cast with Lane Casper, he used to joke about how I was in love with Mike Trout. And we, we would talk about it off the air. And it wasn't the home runs and the RBIs. It was like, you know, just always knew when to steal a base or always knew where to throw the ball or the first step on a line drive into the gap. And I said that this has to be what it was like to watch Mickey Mantle, you know, like with all the ability and everything else. And then this just amazing like mind to go with it. So that's, that's what, that's what player development's for, you know, kind of helping the guys understand, like you think you got it figured out and then there's 15 other things that you didn't consider and learning those. Well, Mick, we uh, we appreciate the stories and the insight on uh, the Tennessee Smokies um, Cubs AA affiliate this year, and definitely learned a lot about uh, a lot of the prospects like coming up through the system and some of the other guys that we haven't had an opportunity to see. But Cubs fans will definitely have an opportunity to see you, Mick, and some of those other guys on Marquee Sports Network. Uh, a couple of Smokies games, <clears throat> excuse me, coming up uh, versus Chattanooga on Friday, September 10th and Saturday, September 11th, will air on Marquee Sports Network. Uh, that'll do it for this week's edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust. Don't forget to download and subscribe to the pod on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and check us out in video form on the Marquee Sports Network app and on YouTube. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.